Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing You Were Made to Be Mine by Julianne Long. This was just recently published in 2022 and is the fifth book in the Palace of Rogue series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of this book for review. Book jacket? Yeah, I think before the jacket, we reviewed all four previous books in this series. It's the one about two women who found out they were the widow and former mistress of the same guy and banded together to form a inn, a boarding house in a disreputable part of town, but they are insistent that it is grand and respectable and they have the list of rules. So if that's jogging your memory, it's that series and the previous reviews from the series are in our book club. Yeah. I think jacket. All right. The mission, find the Earl of Brundage's runaway fiance in exchange for a fortune. Child's play for a legendary British former spy master, Christian Hawks. The catch, Hawks knows in his bones that Brundage is the traitor to England who landed him in a brutal French prison. Hawks is destitute, the Earl is desperate, and a bargain is struck. Fleeing a savagely shattered dream, the sheltered Lady Aurelie Capet finds refuge in an alias and the warmth and kindness of the Grand Palace on the Thames, until a gorgeous, mysterious disturbance to her peace literally topples through the door. An unexpected, fierce desire that feels destined, dangerous, and devastatingly sweet ignites between the sheltered beauty and the jaded spy. And as they slowly unravel each other's shocking secrets, Hawks closes in on the truth about the Earl. Soon it's clear they can have no future without vanquishing the past. Hawks knows that loving her means avenging her. Orly knows that loving Hawks means freeing him to do that, no matter the cost. I have to tell you, I was pretty into this book jacket until the very very end yeah the thing i'll say about it for a fifth book in a series this book goes back to the grand palace more than the last one did Mm -hmm. and i really liked getting the gang back together like i thought this was a really the best parts of this book to me were the camaraderie of the grand palace not the couple itself yeah you know i I don't disagree with you. I I liked the couple in this book a lot. I thought they were well-matched. But my favorite parts of the book were definitely, like, the the ensemble cast. There was a misunderstanding with a vicar. There's, I, like, my summary came this close to being about how, like, their rules and their interview process seems to attract very dangerous people. <laughs> but then I, uh, 180, because I had a better idea. But I do, like, that was the charm of this book for me, was the yeah. cast. And I think that comes through in the jacket. So I think if you kind of felt like you've gotten too far away from the captain and the proprietesses and Lord Bolt, like, they all return to great fanfare in this They one. do. Um, well, uh, now I'm waiting with bated breath to hear this, this summary. So as usual, we generated a random number and then we wrote summaries based on that number. And for this episode, that number was 30. I will start because
So I have a feeling Lane's is going to be better than mine. So I'll just get it out of the way. <laughs> All right. Here's my 30 word summary. In a world where no one can escape danger or harm, there's one place where everyone can look for sanctuary. The Grand Palace on the Thames, land of devoted husbands. I mean, your summary really captures the charm of the series, which we were saying is like the thing with yeah. this series, but this book in particular. So I really like it. Yeah, it, it really does. I really do feel like going back to the setting is like a warm hug. Yes, absolutely. I really like it. All right, so, let's let's hear yours. First and foremost, spoiler warning. And at this point, I'm going to say spoiler warning for the whole episode because the one thing that I spoil in this is her backstory. It is a content warning, and I don't think we can talk about this book without talking about that content warning pretty regularly. I don't so, disagree. Um, it also spoils the ending a little bit, but I actually, one of the things, okay, I have a lot to say about this book, but I'm going to do this first. <laughs> You're a French girl who's learned life's not fun. You can rely on the hot man's gun, little French girl. The bad man's going to jail for treason, but not rape. <laughs> Slow clap. Thank you. I'm, I'm, you brought down the house. Thank you. Oh, goodness gracious. So, what I will say. You know Hawks suspects Brundage of treason on the first page. Yeah. And has evidence of that. Yep. And has cooperation. Like, the fact that he is guilty of treason is basically spoiled in the beginning. Yes. And that was one of my, like, not complaints, but just, like, things I realized about this book. It's clearly the bad guy and all of the sins he committed and what he did to Orly in particular were really telegraphed from the very beginning. Oh, absolutely. This there is... weren't really any secrets that you as a reader were waiting to be revealed? No, this, this is the most villainous villain I think I've read in this whole series. But there's also no twist pertaining to him. No. So just no. that, like, that, it's what makes calling it a spoiler so difficult is because I don't think the rape or the treason is actually a spoiler, but it's clearly the like driving factor and they're cagey about it just long enough mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I feel like it needs to be spoiler tagged, but like barely. Yeah. Uh, the, so the, the treason I feel like doesn't need a spoiler tag, right? Like it's, it is literally like, as Lane says, it's on the first page. Hawks is like, I was in jail because this guy sold me out, you know? Like, but I never could get the proof. Yeah. I was closing in on him, but he got me first. Yep. Um, so, like, that part, no. The So what happened to Orly is it is treated as a reveal. And I think... If you're reading the book and you're a good reader, I don't think it's a surprise. No, it's pretty obvious. Honestly, the second you're in her POV. I mean, even almost before then, you know. Yeah, the way the way Brundage talks about her. Yeah, it's it was pretty telegraphed. So I think if you don't pick up on it, it's because you're sort of choosing not to. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, maybe we should even, we usually wait to talk about content warnings, but like really the content warning we have is that there's rape and that it's a big part of the book. It's a big and driver for many of the characters. And it's not just her motivation. It's also, she thinks back to that night in very explicit detail. Mm-hmm. She articulates exactly what happened to her to Hawks in very explicit detail. Like there's, there are times in books that rape and sexual assault are clearly a very important part of someone's backstory, but we're always like the rape doesn't happen on the page and even the recollections aren't explicit. The rape may not have happened on the page here, but the recollections were graphic enough that I felt like it did. Yeah. And I think anyone who has listened to this podcast more than like five episodes knows that means this was a rough read for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so the content warnings we had were, um, content warning for, for discussion of rape. Um, and then also just that this guy, the villain is like very villainous. So he's not just a rapist, not just a traitor. He also does all kinds of other bad stuff. You know, he's a, yeah. he's a swindler. And betrays his friends very directly, which I think leads us into tropes. That's obviously not the main trope, but we usually laugh about how all bastards must be treasonous. In this case, it's all right. Rapists must be treasonous. Yeah. Yeah. It's all. Anyway, you can't just be a bad guy. You have to be a treasonous bad guy. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I would say that the big trope between the two of them is actually like an insta love or almost a faded mates trope. I mean, the title of the book was You Were you were Made to Be Mine. I agree with you. And you can add in, this is a mini trope in and of itself. She was a little girl when he was working in Spain. And which she saw him, yes. Twice, and he stuck in her memory. And she's like, not sexually, but like fantasized and remembered him as an adult. Right. And I think that's, one lends itself to the faded mates, but two, a trope in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for the the relationship trope, it's like a destined love or a faded yes. love. And he was hired to find her, which we've seen before, but he's honestly more, I read it as seeking to find her, not to get the money, but mm-hmm. to... In assuming that tracking her down will lead to a trail of evidence that will help corroborate his suspicions. Yes. I, I feel like he's tracking her down as an excuse to be close to Brundage because it brings him in, into contact yes. with him. Uh, because it might get him more evidence. But I think also he's like, I want to help someone who else who Brundage has, has harmed. Right. Unless... She had been like, oh, my God, I'm, I was kidnapped and I want to go back to him so badly. Like, his goal was never to return her. No, absolutely so I feel like that's, that trope is a little bit subverted. Yeah, yeah. All right. So he's a spy. You know, we normally like spies. And, I mean, I liked him. He's also a spy with, you know, morals or whatever. <laughs> First of all, he was extremely hot. Yeah. Second of all, I mean, yeah. <laughs> second of all, there's this moment, and I don't know that it's a trope in romance novels, but it's a trope in like spy action adventure stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's like just out of prison. 
mm-hmm. when this book starts. He was imprisoned by the French. He yeah. was not accused of treason. He was sold out by, he thinks guess, he knows who. Guess who? <laughs> imprisoned for three years and then gets out with guess who's help. Which I was just like, if that isn't proof in and of itself, but okay. Right? So he gets out and he's, so he goes, he's looking for Orly and when he finds her, he's temporarily incapacitated and like he's haggard and he's still gaunt from prison. And then there's the moment where he like cleans up and looks like his old self. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that moment is a trope. It's like, it's as good as the like girl in a pretty dress for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like clean shaven, showered, and put on like five pounds from good cooking, and he doesn't look like he's seen the depths of hell anymore. Uh, give me strength. That's like mm-hmm. the hottest thing I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Any other tropes? Except I think that I think that's what we've got, right? That's the main ones. Yeah. I mean, we might think of more as we go on. But it's our prerogative, because again, we are in charge. Yeah, that's, that's right. So yeah, Hawks is a spy. He was in prison for three years. This is not a wrongful imprisonment. Because he was actually spying against the French, and he's been in French prison. But he was doing a good thing. Of man. course. He's oh, an course. honorable prisoner of war. This is, he's, it's true, he's a prisoner of war. I feel like there is a difference, right? Yes. So... Anyway. So uh, I think we need to talk about Orly a little bit. So the book jacket gets at it, but Brundage and Orly have like an arranged marriage. Kind of, yeah. Of sorts. Um, and she is a tragic orphan. Yes. And her oldest brother died too. So like super sad tragic. And she, for whatever reason, has rape rape is the reason, has fled him because she can no longer stand the thought of being with him. Mm-hmm. So she's on the run and her objective is to find a way to get to her brother in Boston. Right. That's her entire impetus, but she has no money. She has no resources. All she's got are a couple of things she kind of wants to pawn. Like she doesn't even know how to buy a boat ticket because she's a privileged little rich girl. I thought the Lady Capet was a touch. Mm-hmm. Um but so that's sort of where she's at. So she ends up at the Grand Palace on the Thames by happenstance. She asks the cab driver for like a safe place in the it, while in an alias, and he rightfully interprets that like this is where she should be. And Hawks ends up there looking for her. Yes, I will tell you that I kind of love Hawks's like taxi network of informants. Mm-hmm. It was so great. So number one, it was awesome because like great idea but then also it really reminded me of like Sherlock Holmes in his yes. like, network I the thought Street was, runners yes well not the Bush Street runners the um oh sorry sorry, sorry. no that the the oh god what are they the called Baker Street Irregulars Baker Street Irregulars thank you I'm like I know this Bow Street runners romance novel brain is getting to me right now <laughs> I know right <laughs> so I liked that it was cute I know it's not quite the right era but it was it felt it felt similar to me and I liked it. It was great. I love, I mean, we talked about it, but I always love the role of the Grand Palace in the Thames. I loved the search for the footman. Oh my God. Loved it. 
Is that and I love part of this book? Maybe. And the callback to it at the end with Pike. Like Julian Long should teach a master class on like through lines. Yes. Oh, so great. Oh my God. Okay. So and properly using your former heroes and heroines. Yes. That's without it feeling that like they're shoehorned in. Yes. That's what I was gonna say is there's this scene that's just so funny. So basically, <laughs> Hawks has been injured trying to find Orly. He's tracked her to the Grand Palace in the Thames, but on his way to the boarding house, he gets, you know, stabbed in the back. Yeah. And literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> so he shows up there, he falls against the door, they open it up for him, and then like the the entire household is brought because Dot, of course, is shrieking. Because that's what you would do when this guy just falls through your door. Yeah. And uh, Tristan and Lucian jump down the stairs. They're both only half dressed, but one of them has his shirt on and the other one has his trousers on. So they're half dressed, but like in opposite directions. Oh my God, this scene, Lane, I died. I was laughing so hard. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, and I think the difficult part is like there was so much charm and humor and familial like bonding. Uh-huh. Combined with this really serious subject matter of sexual yes. assault and treason. Yeah. And like not just like her reflecting on her sexual assault, I could beat to death with a dead horse, just how like traumatizing I found that. But even like they'll be laughing and then Bolt and Hawks will go into like the men's smoking parlor and confide how like they're pretty sure Burnbridge is responsible for turning on people they knew. Yeah. It's gonna be and like, then so they're reflecting gonna call, on, like... You're going to call Val Kirk to come and kick his butt? Right. Or even, like, you know, Hawks is investigating and he meets someone whose brother died probably mm -hmm. as a part of Burnbridge's treason. And so there's a lot of levity interspersed with, like, very heavy moments. And that's just never going to work for me. Yeah. Like... I don't have the capacity to like switch it on and off. Yeah. For me, it worked because if the, if the book had been that heavy the entire time, it would have been, it, I think I would, it would have been as hard for me as it was for you. Yeah. But for me, because it was interspersed, it was leavened with this humor. I liked it and I thought it worked well. So I thought the structure of the book worked really well thought the structure of the book worked really well as um, as a as an overarching theme for like what actually is happening to Orly. Like she has this thing that really has traumatized her, but she's learning to live with it and learning to come out of that. And she's never going to be away from that. Like she's never going to escape from what happened, but she does have the rest of her life to live. So I don't know. It, it worked for me. They have this whole conversation that's like very touching. Um, <laughs> Lane's face. She's like, yeah, it was touching. It was like the worst thing to read ever. <laughs> but, you know, she's basically saying that she was raised to think that the world was a good place. And now she's discovering that it's just full of danger. And he's like, yeah, it is full of danger, but it is also a good place. I don't know. I, I liked it.
I think we've, we've touched on all the content warnings. I think the only thing I want to add is I don't think the rape was handled poorly. Mm-hmm. Like Meg said, I thought the way Orally reflected on it and was moving forward with her life felt very authentic. I don't feel like her trauma was made light of or made the center of her identity. That said, the question I always ask myself when there's sexual assault in books is like, did the sexual assault really add anything to the story? And for me, I think I would have liked this book a lot more had she overheard Burnbridge's treasonous ideas, not known what to do, he'd come on to her one night mm-hmm. and she realized like she was in danger, but so was everyone else associated with him and she didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I think that would have had just as high stakes for me without having to reflect on her trauma as often as we did. So, like, I think this just depends on where this content warning falls for you. If you just don't want sexual assault to be, like, handled poorly, this this is handled very well. If you really would prefer it just not be in books at all and kind of do mental gymnastics to figure out how it could have not happened, like me, this is too far. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like this is a conversation that you and I have had before. Because I'm I'm on the spectrum where if it's okay if it's in the book as long as it's not the point of the book or if it's handled poorly. Mm-hmm. So it, in general, I thought the book really worked for me. I, I don't want to shit on Julian Long's like writing of it. I don't think yeah. she did a bad thing. I think the second she made the choice to make it such a central part of this book, it was not for me. Yeah. And I do think that carries into sexiness a little bit because for me, this book was not a sexy book. The sex, there is a sex scene. I think there's just one, maybe two, but the, these intimate scenes were used really more as a way for them to affirm their connection, um, establish their trust with each other, and, and also dealing with trauma, right? Uh, in, in not, like, the point of them was not to be sexy. So, again, like Lane said, I'm not saying this to say that, like, the writing was bad. Like, the point of the sex scene was not to be a sexy sex scene, Right. Right. So I, I guess this is where the degree to which you view romance novels as escapist mm-hmm. sort of becomes the, because if what you're looking for is fluffy porn, this book ain't it. Nope. Not to say it's a bad book. Again, Julian Long is super talented and I'm in awe of her pretty frequently. I can't go back to this. But I do want to end on a much lighter note. There's a scene. I'm going to read this direct quote to you guys, and you tell me what your mental image is, and I'm going to tell you what mine was. So this is in the middle of the sex scene, which is at 82%, if anyone's wondering. In no time, his cock was so hard, he thought the top of his head might launch like a cannonball. (laughs) Here's the problem, dear listeners. In the context of an erection, Head can have two meanings. I think she meant the head on his his tet, (laughs) the top of him, the the top of neck, the head on his neck, (laughs) the thing that holds. I was going to say brain. All of this is dirty. I'm now realizing, but I think she meant like his head might explode from just how turned on he was. But in the context of head and cannonball, I was picturing his dick as a mini cannon. 
And the dickhead is the cannonball and like firing off and then like a weird dismembered penis. And I just, this text scene was already not doing it for me. And then that mental image happened and I started cackling uncontrollably (laughs) and was like, well, I'm glad I paid attention to that part. I, okay, here's my weird part. I... I always think, like, reading the book was fine, but talking about it, I'm like, her name just sounds like Orally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I think yeah. that every time I see this name, actually. It was a very pretty name in French, but... In English, it yeah. implies blowjobs. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, in general, we recommend the series. It's very well written. And And this book is good. The content warnings are, like, extremely serious. Yes, exactly. And so use that information as you want to. It's, It's yours to do with what you will. Thank you guys so much for listening.